Welcome to Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com. Here's your hosts, Dan and Danny. Hey, welcome to this edition of Phantom Faction Podcast. I'm Danny. And I'm Dan. And here we are in my kitchen. In your kitchen again. <laughs> yep. It's a good place to be. It is. It's it quiet. Is. It's yep. quaint. We have a very special guest oh. all the way from Chicago or just outside of Chicago. And she mm-hmm. is a listener. Mm-hmm. And that's how she came to be on the show. Oh, very and nice. And we have Kate. Hello, Kate. Hello, Kate. Hi, guys. How are you? How's it going? Good, good. 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 Thank you for being on the show. Now you said yeah, absolutely. you said you've been a listener since episode two or three, something like that. I believe were you doing Jim Harold? Is that what it was? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. John Jim, John was doing Jim Harold, and he was doing uh, another podcast called The Belief Hole. Yeah, that's right. Which we've gotten some listeners from, mm-hmm. and they have gotten some listeners from us. So uh, it's right. kind of worked out well. But we're glad you're here. Uh, either way. United States seems to be our number one listenership. That's right. According to Spotify <laughs> anyway, right. and, and some of the other podcasts as well. Mm. Uh, wh- where do you listen, Kate? Well, um, I'm about an hour northwest of Chicago. So usually um, I work at a law firm and mm-hmm. I'm in law school right now. So I tend to have it in the background when I'm working on things. It's, you know, it's a great way to get through the day. You listen to uh, CastBox or Apple, or what do you? Well, I actually do Google Play Music. Oh, there we go. Different pods that I listen to, but you guys, it's typically Google Play. Uh, We're always looking for people to tell their stories, Mm -hmm. and uh, Dan was showing me a little bit about what you had uh, forwarded him. Uh, It sounds like there's um, maybe some intuition Yeah, there seems to be some clairvoyancy going on in your family, and you guys haven't really tapped into it yet. Right. Um, well, the main thing that I always grew up hearing about was how my dad predicted both me and my brother. So just for a little bit of background knowledge, um, my parents got married in 85, and they had a difficult time conceiving. Luckily, there weren't any miscarriages or anything like that. But the night before my mom found out that she was pregnant with me, my dad had a dream. And he dreamt that he was in a hospital, and he was in an operating room. And my mom was having a C-section and that there was a baby girl. And he saw it in his mind so clearly he thought it was real. So he woke up in the morning and my mom took a pregnancy test. And for the first time ever, it was positive. And so he said, baby girl, C-section, calling it right now. (laughs) And nine months later, I came along in June of 93. And um, dad walked into the operating room. They had to have an emergency C-section. They couldn't find my heartbeat. And my mom was actually induced, so we kind of knew that that was going to happen at that point anyway. And um, he said it was so clear, it was so identical to his dream that he actually had to check and make sure I was a girl just in case something had been wrong in his dream. But it was me and everything was clear as day, and he just emphatically states that the doctors, the nurses, everything was exactly the same. And this happened with your brother uh, as well. Yes. My brother was actually interesting. Um, he was not an emergency C-section. He was what my dad called conventional birth. Um, <laughs> but he, the night before that they found out that um, they were going to have my brother, he dreamt that he was in a typical hospital room, and my brother was born, no problems, nothing. And 
nine months later, he came along, the doctors and nurses, everything was exactly the same again. Wow. So those were the two big premonitions that he's had. And they tend to be big things in his life like that. But um, he also always talked about how he thinks that they're, and, and we're not religious people. Um, basically, my dad's dad was Jewish. He married a German Catholic. And so my dad kind of did both things a little bit when he was forced. And then when my parents got married, they said, we're going to let the kids decide. So we weren't baptized. We didn't do Sunday school. We didn't do any of that stuff. But despite that, my dad is firmly convinced that there was an angel that had something to do with my conception. And it's not, you know, I hesitate because it's not a Jesus thing, but it's just a, basically, they would have to drive up, as I said, you know, I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, and there's a very good research hospital up in Madison, Wisconsin. And that was where my parents were going to sort of have different treatments and figure out what they could do to conceive. So... After my mom had the positive pregnancy test, my dad had the dream with me. My parents drove up there, and um, he, dad didn't remember if it was two days in a row or if there was a week in between their appointments. But the first time, there was a woman who came in, couldn't find my heartbeat, basically said, you know, really cruelly, you're going to miscarry in the next couple of days, basically just was really cold and just not a nice person to be around, and they were devastated. So they came back in because when something like that happens, it's important that you, you know, make sure every everything's healing properly, and obviously she hadn't miscarried, and um, they didn't hear the door open into the doctor's office at all. They were waiting for somebody to come in, and my dad felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand up, and all of a sudden there was a woman who just seemed to appear, and dad said that she almost had this, this feeling about her, and she walked right over, and she took the ultrasound wand, and she found me, and she found my heartbeat immediately, and said something at the screen, kind of waved at the screen and said, hi, Junior, and basically said that everything was going to be perfectly fine and all right, and her name was Christine, and my parents never had seen her before and hadn't seen her since, and they said in a flash she was just gone as quickly as she came. I mean, they didn't hear anything, they didn't see anything, she just was there, and she was a doctor, supposedly, and she found me, and everything was perfectly fine after that. Wow. So, Dad believed that she did something, um, you know, a lot of this stuff could be coincidence, but He's very, because he has that sort of intuition, I'm inclined to believe that there's something else going on with that. Um, but nothing like that happened with my brother that was just with me. Has your dad had any, had any other premonitions or crazy dreams? Like, you know, your, your brother playing for the Cubs or the Bears? <laughs> or <laughs> He hasn't had dreams to that level, but he will predict sort of small things that will happen. Nothing really of note aside from, you know, myself and my brother. But he does have very, very vivid dreams, um, which he'll, you know, rant and rave about, and he won't get, you know, a good night's sleep and that sort of thing. And sometimes some of that stuff will happen. But as far as the big stuff, those were the big two. Um, but he does have strange things happen every now and again. For instance, um, I want to say about a year ago, um, my dad's dad passed away in 1997, and he was a truck driver. And my dad was driving home. They, my parents live up in Wisconsin. And there was this big semi that tried to pass him on the highway, um, but it was just a two-lane highway. It wasn't a big interstate or anything like that. And it kept trying to pass him just for no reason. He, was, he wasn't going under the speed limit. He was going over the speed limit. And finally, um, it sort of pulled up next to him, so they were even in the lane. And Dad turned, and he saw it was this really properly old semi-truck. And Dad kind of sped ahead of the guy or whatever it was, 
and um, the truck pulled back in behind him, and then they got onto the larger portion of that highway where it turned into a four-lane interstate, and eventually the truck just sort of disappeared behind him, not in a mystical way, but just in a he sort of outran it. But he had this weird feeling the entire time because it kept happening where this truck would go up next to him, and then it would go behind again, go up next to him and go behind. And my dad got home, and he said, you know what, I think that was my dad because that is a really old truck that wouldn't ordinarily be, you know, on the road. And mind you, my grandpa was born in 1914, so it would have been, it was a very old truck. So he just sort of has this feeling sometimes about things like that. And, and as far as I know, those are the main things that happen to him outside of, um, I'm sorry, like, please ask questions if you want to. I feel like I'm just going to rant all my stories <laughs> No, keep going. You're doing great. Um, but We're just going to go have a beer. We'll be back in 10 <laughs> minutes. You just keep talking. <laughs> It's a terrible habit of mine. I have a lot of great qualities. This is not one Well, if you're going to be a lawyer, then you need to be able to talk, right? That's true. I'll just talk until they they see my (laughs) sex thing. But it's not unlike my grandpa to have done something like that because when he passed away, he had been living in San Diego. And my parents, this is the big other story that we grew up, you know, hearing. But since I was born in 93, my brother was born in 94. So we were very little when my grandpa passed away. And his name which is relevant, um, was Harry. And so my parents went out. Um, actually, I believe he was in he was in Sedona, Arizona at this point. Sorry, I misspoke. He, he lived in San Diego for a while, um, or at least they were staying in Sedona. And when they had finished his, and they didn't really do a service or anything too much. They had a little one, but it wasn't, you know, some big blown-out funeral or anything like that. They were just there for a little bit. And um, so they went to fly home, and it was sunrise, and they were on the way to the airport, and we always heard the story about the glowing letter H in the sky, and so basically it was, they it looked like it made, maybe was made of cloud or something like that, but there was nothing else in the whole sky, and it was just this glowing letter H, and it was there the entire time, and my parents didn't really say anything to each other um, and for a few minutes, and then one of them turned together was like, you see that? Like, is that just me? And they're like, oh, no, I I see that too. And they kind of thought, well, you know, it's got to be a coincidence. You know, it's just a piece of cloud that happens to look like a letter H. But it was glowing, sort of. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing else in the sky. It wasn't like a bat signal kind of thing. <laughs> um, it was just a glowing letter H. And it stayed there for hours. And my dad said that he thought that he was going crazy. It didn't move. It wasn't like wind sort of made it dissipate or anything like that. It stayed put the entire time. Um, so they fly home and the, this was, you know, back, like I said, in the late nineties. So the big fax machines that you used to have, they're just absolutely massive. And we also had a, a copy machine slash printer that was huge as well. Um, both of those broke, which is, which we didn't know at the time was something that was pretty common when people pass away is electronics tend to fail. Um, we didn't know that. Um, but the coolest one was, my mom had brought her digital camera because you're out west, it's beautiful, why not take a bunch of pictures? And she tried to import all of her photos and it said error code H. Letter H. No. So she took it to... (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. It's it's probably my favorite favorite part of the story, but she took it to... um, They used to have, the younger people wouldn't remember this, but they used to have camera stores and you know, repair places. Ours was called Wolf Camera. So she took it in the Wolf Camera 
and they brought out the big manual for her particular model of camera, and the guy said, there is no error code age, not in the book at all. Mm. And she was like, well, that's weird. So she goes home, and the camera turns on like nothing had ever gone wrong at all. <laughs> so it would not be, um, I would say it would not be unusual, uh, given the fact that Grandpa clearly, when he passed away, made a big a big deal of it, to also somehow be this big semi-truck or inhabit it somehow. Now, did, so. your, did your dad ever mention your grandfather having any strange abilities or any, you know, paranormal stories around other than that? I, I know he was an intense guy, and I don't mean that in necessarily a bad way. Right. But um, I haven't heard anything in particular. They didn't really... My dad always says that his childhood was like the movie The Sandlot. Okay. You get kicked out of the house, you go play baseball, yeah. you come home for dinner. You're killing me, Smalls. And so, <laughs> I love that movie. Right. So, yeah, oh, it's the best. Um, and so it's his actually favorite movie because he goes, this is my life. You know, this was my life. And so they weren't a super close-knit family, really quite the opposite. Um, but... My dad was my grandpa's favorite, but even so, he never he never said anything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he did. Um, he also, you know, stormed the beaches of Normandy, and after big, scary events like that, sometimes it can, you know, cause things to stir up. So I wouldn't be surprised, but not that I ever heard. And, and that's also my Jewish side, and we're Ashkenazi Jews, and I've heard that that could be a thing where if you're a people that sort of doesn't really have a home and... And we aren't even really 100% sure where we're from because the stories from the family don't match what happened when people signed in at Ellis Island to come to the United States. Mm -hmm. So I've heard that a sort of traveling people's thing, you know, we were a bit of Russia, a bit of Latvia, Lithuania, that area was what we had always heard from, you know, the family stories. So it seemed like everybody moved around a lot. And any of that, like, close tribal knit thing, I've always heard, you know, people tend to be a little bit more in tune. I'm not sure how much weight I put in that. It's just what I've heard. So Now, you uh, talked about premonitions, uh, mm -hmm. and you've also said that there you haven't seen any spirits, but you've you've been close to them or you've recognized the things that they've done. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, actually, my grandma, because my dad's mom, she passed away um, in May of this, of, I should say, 2019. You could kind of feel it right away. She wanted to go. You know, we were really sad. She and I were super tight. Um, and she would always say I was, you know, our last hope and I needed to be a Supreme Court justice and all this stuff. She was a very intense and opinionated woman. Um, so when she passed away, it was a couple of weeks later, I pulled into the driveway at my house. I lived by myself. And I heard this big thud and then this sort of fluttering noise. And I turned and there was a cardinal that was trying to fly through my driver's side window of my car. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't flying off. It just kept continuously trying to fly through the window. And so I turned and I looked at it and it turned its head and looked at me just enough for an acknowledgement, nothing out of fear. And it was just gone. And we don't get really a lot of birds in my neighborhood. I had never seen a cardinal and I've never seen one since. It would be very much like her to scare the living heck out of me by slamming into my window. <laughs> And, um, you know, Cardinals being a sign of messages from the afterlife and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then a few months ago, I had finally gotten, because she lived out in Nebraska, so my parents had to trek out and get a bunch of her stuff and bring it back to me. And they knew I was the one who cared about photo albums and things like that. 
So I finally was able to go through some of her things. And I had um, offhand told my mom that there were a couple things that I needed, um, like emery boards, like nail files, Mm -hmm. and those little bumpers you put in the heels of your shoes if your shoes are a little bit too big. Because, you know, I work at a law firm. I need my heels on and all that. And I offhand mentioned it to my mom. And I start digging through my grandma's photo album, and a few layers down, kind of in the middle, there are emery boards, like a brand-new pack of nail files and a brand-new pack of the little pads that you put up behind your heels for your shoes. And those were the only two things in there that were <clears throat> that were not photos. And that night, I kept finding dimes all around my house. I, I was just I was dimes. just about to ask you if you were finding dimes. Did you notice mm-hmm. that they were heads so, up or tails up? Because I always tell people to, I to check. I don't, I don't recall. I'm really sorry. I don't remember. That's um, all right. I should have looked at that. But one of them, actually, I had emptied a box. And I went to break the box down, and there was one that I guess had been hidden in between the two flaps in the bottom because it just dropped right onto the floor right in front of me. So I knew she was there, and I sort of felt it in the air, and I went to put um, – so she and her sister-in-law hated each other. And so I had all these photos, you know, of her brother who she loved very dearly. He passed away far too soon. Um, I didn't really know him, but I had a picture of him and his wife. And then a separate picture of my grandma. And I was trying to figure out what shelves to put them on. Um, I have a cabinet or whatever in my um, in my dining room. And I sort of had this weird feeling. I put my uncle and his wife up on a top shelf. And I grabbed my grandma's photo. And I felt something, like, in the air. And I looked at her picture. And I said, I'm not going to put you on the same shelf. Surely. Don't worry. I'm not going to put you on the same shelf. But I put her on a lower shelf. And then the feeling went away. So I could, I kind of get that a little bit. And then her uncle, who is my great uncle Charlie, he, um, this is, I said my family's from Nebraska, so this is your warning. This is kind of, this is horrifying, but he ran himself over with a lawnmower. He didn't die. Is that something that happens in Nebraska a lot? (laughs) Oh, I had an uncle get decapitated on a tractor. I'm not even kidding. That's how he died. My family owned a ton of land, cattle, ranch. Um, My cousins are still out there running some of the land. It's not the original land they sold off you know, part of it. But um, anyway, so my uncle Charlie had run himself over with the tractor and I knew that he was pretty religious and I had, um, I sent him a little, it's about the size of a quarter, but more of an oblong kind of oval shape. It's a little relief sculpture of an angel. And I was about, I want to say six when this happened and I mailed it out to him and he kept ranting and raving in the town. Mind you, this is a town of about 300 people and it's it's the only town in the entire county. So everybody knows each other. So he's going around telling everybody about how much he loves his, you know, great, great niece, Kate, and, you know, how she sent him this little angel or whatever. And so we would have them in the family, um, and we would always put them above the door jam um, to our bedrooms, or at least that's what I did with mine. And they were something that the other side of the family, we owned a furniture store, and it was just one of those little trinkets you kind of buy by the register kind of thing. So we had access to a bunch of these, so everybody on that side of the family kind of had them. So I moved into my house and I was telling my former, now former roommate about how Uncle Charlie loved that angel because she had asked what I was doing and we had just moved in. So why was I putting it above my doorframe? And I was in the middle of telling the story and I went to turn around because I was putting some things away and it had fallen and I didn't hear it fall on the ground at all, face up, facing me. So I turned around, looked down, and it was right there as I was in the middle of telling the story about how much he loved the angel. So I kind of shrugged it off put it back up top, and went about my business, finished the story, turn around, and it was back down there again, face up, facing me. Hmm. 
And before anybody goes, well, are you opening and closing the door? It is a really stiff door jam, but it was A, open the whole time, and B, it has not moved ever since at all. Uh, I'll open and close my bedroom door. It has never, ever fallen. It it felt twice within the span of about 15 minutes of sort of off and on telling that story. Well, you also get... You know, you also get those feelings that people are around and they're, they're, they're doing things as well, right? Like we all have intuition. Uh, some of us just suppress it a lot more than others. And, you know, you get those gut feelings. And I would say that, uh, oh, yeah. that's Uncle Charlie <laughs> doing his thing, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was wondering what you guys thought about the idea that sort of thinking makes it so and like the secret idea and, and what that has to do with the spiritual realm. I mean, do you think that we almost make things happen by thinking about them? Yeah. You know what? I, I think you're onto something there um, because the more we open up and open our world to that, I think, uh, and, and it's happened to me where nothing will happen for a long time if, if I'm not even thinking about it. But as I'm doing now, doing this podcast, uh, I'm starting to see things. I'm starting to experience things. So yeah, it's the frame of mind. But I know you mentioned the secret. You meaning like the the book or right? Yeah, you know, I remember everybody got really into that for a while. But the idea yeah. that thinking sort of makes it so. Yeah, but yeah, your positive thinking. Um, I mean, if if you allow these things in your mind to happen. Um, they could happen. And I, I certainly, I'm a real follower of that sort of philosophy is that, uh, you know, watch what you wish for because you're probably going to get it. Yeah, it definitely opens the doorway mm-hmm. yeah. and thins that veil out, especially with yeah. the spirit world, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, like there's like those times where you'll be thinking about somebody mm-hmm. and then you'll see them that day. Right. You know, you haven't seen them in years. Yeah. But for some reason, they just pop into your head. And, you know, you can't figure that that sort of thing out. So it's almost like, is it a spirit telling you that you're going to run into into this person? Or is it something else? Like another signal or antenna coming out of your... Yeah, I always talk about the vibration. Yes. You're sending out... if You you know, you're sending out positive vibes. You're probably going to have a good day, you know. Uh, So I've always believed in that. Unless you're a lawyer. Yeah. I wondered if that fact was going to add to my credibility or value it. Right. But yeah, um, I think you're onto something there as far as the, the, the secret goes. It's not really a secret. It's just uh, positive thinking and um, you're opening up a door. You're sending out a vibration. So it's, it's coming, you know, really nice. Uh, right. So I'm telling this story and then he appears, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the form of dropping that little trinket on the ground. Right. So, well, I yeah, think, I just kind of wondered what you guys thought about that. Yeah, and and it's one of those things too where I don't think you were afraid when you saw these dimes, or you know, you were like, and right away you thought of your uncle Charlie, right? Or or even mm-hmm. when the the uh, what did you say it was the cross that was on the ground or the angel that was on the ground? The angel, yeah. Yeah. Um, now was that hooked up anywhere, or was it just sitting on a shelf? On the door jam. On the door jam. Well, so it sits. It, yeah, just that little gap on the frame around the door. Right. Yeah, at uh, the very top. And, yeah, it hasn't moved since. It's still up there right around the corner from me right now. So yeah. um, I'm more to keep that there for him because although, you know, he was he did recover from the uh, lawnmower incident, he was pretty old at that point. So after he mm-hmm. passed away, I more held on to it because it reminded me of him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess he, he knows that. 
But there's also, you know, there's a, a stark difference between the feeling that you get when something like that goes on, where, you know, you hear, if you hear, at least for me, if I hear other people's stories about these sorts of things, I get not creeped out, but you get a little bit of that feeling. But when it happens to you and it's a positive experience, at least for me, I, it sort of takes me a while to even acknowledge that it's weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it has to do with familiarity, you know, because, you know, quite literal familiarity because it's family um, or what exactly it is. But I was up in East Troy, Wisconsin, um, and th- there's a little downtown square and there's a restaurant that used to be a brothel. And I walked in and I could kind of feel a little something. And so I asked the waitress and she said, well, it's funny that you should say that because we will have tours in here sometimes, but it's only for special occasions. And there are a couple of rooms that are supposed to be haunted. And she said, I was actually sweeping up at the end of the night once and I had my hair up in a ponytail and I felt something yank on it. And I was like, oh, no way. So immediately I'm interested, you know. And so she was like, yeah, you know, have a little walk around. So my parents and I were walking around and we didn't expect to see anything. We figure, you know, it's probably the room that we were in eating in if that's where, you know, her ponytail got yanked on. But there was one room that was just, um, you know, a, a private room. It was a really old building. So it was a very small sort of six, maybe eight person table in there and not a whole lot of room around it. But we walked in there and, and it's like when the air gets thick and it's like a bad thick. And I'm going, okay, yeah, there's something in here. I looked at, I looked at my parents. I was like, it doesn't, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't want us in here and we better walk right out right now. Did so, your, did your parents feel it as did, well? Did. Um, I think dad was sort of on the outskirts of getting in the room because it was so small. And like, and I mean, he's, he's a really big guy. He's about six, nine, six, ten. Holy cow. So <laughs> bigger than me. He's, he's not, you know, <laughs> yeah, actually. You guys always talk about how you're a taller guy too, so you get it. You know, if you're in an old building, sometimes there's not the head space. So he was sort of <laughs> lingering on the outside, so I don't know how much of it he felt. Um, but there's a stark contrast between like something that's positive and something that's negative, and it's difficult to describe if you've never felt it. Well, I think a lot of people do feel it. They just don't realize what they're feeling sometimes, right? They chalk it up to, uh, I don't know. Air pressure, the weather, yeah, you know, a headache or how they're feeling or whatever. But uh, you can yeah. definitely walk into a home and, and feel, yep, you know, whether it's negative or positive or, oh, yeah. or benign. Yeah, I've walked into places before, and even my son, uh, you know, we walk into a restaurant and it just had this negative feel, and there was a lineup, and I said, "Do you really want to stay here?" And he's like, "I don't feel good about this place." And, yeah, and so we turned around and walked out. Well, I mean, even that little room, it, I felt so drained afterward. I had to go home and go right to sleep. I just zapped all the energy right out of me. It was crazy. Yeah, it's so, yeah, there, there is a stark contrast there. That's really the only negative spirit that I've kind of felt. Sometimes I'll feel like something's watching me. Um, for example, my parents have their own business, and they have a warehouse that they run it out of. And there's one room where there's a little bit of, like, an upstairs. It's sort of a two-story high space. And sometimes when I'm in there, I could feel like something's watching me. Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine used to come help out sometimes, help work. And I sort of often said to him, you know, I think that room, um, or I think that there's something in the warehouse to feel that. Because I know he's quite in tune as well. He goes, oh, yeah. And he said the, the exact room. And I was like, yeah, that room. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm not crazy. Yeah, some people will react, though. Uh, even when you tell a story like you've told here. Some people are really frightened about that whole thing. 
you know, they, they want to hear it, but they're like, oh, I hope that ever happens to me or whatever. But, you know, I think there's a lot more education out there now that uh, people are like, oh, okay, those feelings are actually true feelings of, of what I'm getting. Uh, and when they find out that other people feel it as well, uh, you know, it's certainly reassuring, like you said, when you're your friend there in the warehouse who was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, so, yep. And, and, and I trust him because he had, he had, you know, shadow figures in his house growing up. He had had, you know, a sleep paralysis incident with the old woman who everybody talks about. He had one of those. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew that he was going to be straight with me if he felt anything in, in that building, and he did, so. Yeah. And I think um, you're talking about that's the only negative sort of thing you feel. And I know for myself, I haven't experienced a real neg- negativity. You, you feel it, but I walk away from it. Uh, now, Dan here, he's run into some negative stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll forget when we did the governor's residence, that one office we walked into. Yeah. And it, the, the temperature dropped like 20 points. And yep. It went from warm to freezing, mm-hmm. and then we could smell like yeah. feces, and we were like, "Okay, yeah. something wants us out of here quick." Yeah. And then John did his thing and confirmed that there was something dark and nasty in that in that building. They can be anywhere. Yeah. They can be in a warehouse. They can be in a restaurant. Yeah. You know, uh, I think it's places that building. they they feel that you know they maybe work there or they you know or that's their town that's their city or just that's something their, about the energy yeah. of the building or yeah. the property sometimes right yeah that's true too. sometimes it's you know you get a lot of calls from people who have a brand new home yeah you know it's just built a couple of years ago but they're experiencing all these terrible things yeah and it's all about the land yeah or the, right? the ley lines what we talked about yeah you know that creates an energy that's running through these uh, homes and uh, highways and everything Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to go there because they can build on that energy, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, anywhere there's a lot of music, you know, and that's why it makes sense, you know, because it's always a brothel. It's always a brothel. <laughs> well, those are every time, even though the brothels are supposed to be a positive place, <laughs> they're quite negative for the people who have to work there, or well, or, or the people that choose to live. What's that? But, yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, people come and go. Um, so, that, you know, <laughs> I apologize. I'm really, I'm, yes. I, they're there and then they're gone. And, well, and there's you know what? You watch, uh, you watch Ghost Adventures and they're always in brothels. You know, they're all in yeah. these, these ghost towns in Arizona and Nevada and there's these brothels and mm-hmm. and they've, they've even been in a couple of uh, like quote unquote strip joints and done some uh, yeah. investigations because there's always seedy characters and that's for sure you know, and yeah. people that are negative and they bring this negative energy with them. I Road trip. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you mentioned ghost adventures. I'm so particular about what I watch because so much of it is very, you know, every two seconds, oh, there's a noise and it's all amped up drama for the sake of the viewer. But I'd rather watch something that is a real experience that's not altered because you know with all this stuff there's such a suspension of disbelief that's mm-hmm. just required because you're not the one it's happening to right and you have to do that with any television or movie or whatever so you know i try to be really particular about you know what i watch and and it's hard to tell what's a good you know interpretation of what could really be going on and what's just for dramatic effect right I will say one thing about those shows, though. Like, a lot of people cut them up, and they say they're contrived. And, and uh, you know, like you said, they're always seeing things. They're always hearing things. But when I go to a place with friends or family, 
and I'll be seeing things all over the place and hearing things. It's just me and nobody else is mm -hmm. because I'm sensitive to it. And you would think that those guys like Zach Baggins and Aaron Goodwin, they've been doing this for 20 years. So they've opened right up and they've, they've had attachments come home with them several, several times. Yes, they have. So I would almost think that whatever's there is being amplified by their energy, mm -hmm. you know, and their desire for connection. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I don't ever get the BS factor from that show. I have from a few others. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think they're... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not asking you to put, any, to, to put any, you know, shows down or anything no, like no. that. It's just the no, no. The bulk of what I consume in terms of the paranormal is in podcast form. Okay. So... Um, Good deal. I'm, you know, outside, <laughs> there used to be... There used to be, oh, what was that show? Like, Most Haunted or whatever. Okay. When I was in high school, I would watch that, and that would freak me out. Um, but there's something that's a little bit, I think, easier to take in terms of not wanting to, you know, because I never know if I'm going to end up really freaked out or not. And it's almost easier if it's just audio, whereas if I'm watching something. Right. But then it's your imagination, oh, right? True. So, I mean, I, we've had uh, emails and calls from people who said they got freaked out from listening to some of our podcasts and they got chills and they had to turn it off. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like really? It, you know? yes. I've definitely been freaked out by some of the stuff on your guys' show. Um, I absolutely loved the um, the long-held secret Sasquatch story. That was phenomenal, I thought. Um, I told everybody about that. I was like, you have to listen to this. This is the craziest thing. Oh, was that the one uh, where John retold the other gentleman's story? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah and there's, and there's, the even, there's even more to that story that John wasn't allowed to tell. Oh, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> Danny's got a little Sasquatch. Oh, no. Where did you get that? <laughs> I got that for Christmas. Oh, I want one. <laughs> I'm going to keep him right there. Yeah. Well, you can't see him now. Oh, well, well hold him up. so interesting. That, the story behind that is uh, Dan had called me the one day and said, do you want to go up, uh, where was it, a wind sound or something? Squatching. Squatch. Squatching. And I told my wife that, and she just was like, yeah, how do I explain that? Where's Dan tonight? Oh, he's up in Owen Sound. Looking for Sasquatch. Yeah, looking for Sasquatch. Oh, just don't tell them anything. <laughs> right. So that was kind of a big joke oh around the house. Gosh. So your wife got you this? Yes. Well, you'll have to tell me where she got this because I want one. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Where is it made? They should really have those at the zoo. Made in China. You know where you put the quarters <laughs> yep. in and you crank it? Yeah. And then make the, the wax bulb. There should be, yeah, there should be those for the paranormal. Well, this is what I've decided. Nobody take my million dollar idea. Well, we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. Well, partnership. Your parents have a warehouse. <laughs> well, you know, as far as things that I've seen, though, because I've never seen a Sasquatch, but I did have... Um, Your father was one. I was... <laughs> you know what? He did. It's funny, because he was, he was a bouncer at a bar in the 70s, and he had he basically looked like George Harrison from the Abbey Road days. Oh, he had the long hair and the big beard. Right, the wild man. So he was pretty scary back then. Um, I certainly wouldn't want to uh, get into a bar fight and get kicked out by my dad back then, that's for sure. But um, I've never seen a Sasquatch. I have seen, and I still don't know what it was, but I was driving up actually again to Madison, Wisconsin. My brother, um, had he was on the rowing team in college, and they had a regatta up there. So it was really early in the morning, and my mom was driving. And we were going through the next town north of where I grew up, and there was this man standing in the middle of the road, or what seemed like a man to me. And he sort of caught my line of vision. We looked each other dead in the eyes. 
and he sort of rushed the car. And, and it wasn't like, you know, he was going to reach for the door and get in. It, it, he acted like he was going to go through the car oh. almost. Well. And I, I don't know what he was. And, it, you know, ordinarily, because you see weirdos, could be somebody who's on something. It could be somebody who's just trying to cross the street and he happened to be looking over at us. But the way he caught my, my gaze and the way he just made like a beeline straight for us as we were driving, we weren't parked. He was just in the middle of the street, and it was like he thought he could go straight through the car. And as we passed, I saw him in the wing mirror, and his head had sort of followed our car, and he was watching us drive off into the distance. And it was more the feeling that I got in the pit of my stomach just to get back to, like, that those negative experiences. I don't know what he was, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not thoroughly convinced that he was human, or if he was, there was something going on with the guy because it was just not – and it takes a lot to freak me out. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that one got to me. Um, and then just to get a couple of quick stories in there, because I'm looking through my list here. You asked if my dad had uh, had any other visions. And I forgot about one because it wasn't a dream. He, um, he said it was about 14. And he um, was riding bikes with his brother. And there was a um, apartment building on the on the corner of this road that they were looking across. And my dad sort of yelled at his brother, "Stop! There's a car coming!" But he couldn't actually see anything. He just knew there was a car coming. And um, I think he like barely got you know tapped as the guy went by or something. But it, I think it could have taken him out. So he predicted that. And then I um, I predicted that I was going to end up driving straight into a snowbank when I was probably 17, there was this really tight corner and I had had this sort of thought in my head because people talk about visions and stuff, but it's not like, you know, when I was a kid, we had that show that's so Raven and all of a sudden she's in this other world and everything's, you know, like the dreams that my dad had with me. It's more like a fleeting, like feeling or like a quick flash of a vision. And I saw myself going straight, like through this curve, straight into the snowbank. Um, and I drive very carefully. So I'm like, all right, be careful around this turn. It's icy. But this car comes the other way. And the only way that I could get out of the way and actually save myself from getting smushed in my car was to drive straight into that exact snowbank that a few seconds prior I'd seen myself driving straight into. Um, so I just wanted to get those stories out there, you know, yep. before we, we move along. Um, but I was trying to remember because I, I consume quite a bit of this stuff. Were you guys the ones who were discussing the idea of um, street lamps turning on? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think you had a guest who was talking about that. Uh, yeah. That happened to me. Tony or John? Or? I think, I, I think I it was re- John. I do remember talking. Oh, yes. It was John when he was a kid. When he was a kid. And this his buddy. He, had, and he like, knew a guy who could <laughs> yeah. just yeah, turn his, them on. His right? buddy would go right. underneath the so, light and he'd be like, oh, great. Yeah. Power of the light or whatever. It shut off. You know, whatever. it would shut off. So Right. I had I had that happen to me once. I was driving home and I've got a bunch of street lights like in a row. And it wasn't dark enough to where they would need to come on. And they're you know, my neighborhood, they don't really come on until they absolutely have to. Like it has to be pretty dark for my street lamps to turn on. And I was driving home from work and and normally, because it's all hooked together, they'll all turn on at once. 
But as I drove underneath, when I would hit underneath each street lamp, it would turn on. They're all off, under the first one, on. And I'm thinking, all right, that's a funny coincidence. Under the second one, right as I'm under it, on. And it went on for about four or five street lights um, before I reached my road. And I turned off and we didn't have the street lights on my exact road. Mm, you had a, a guardian oh, angel uh, illuminating your way. Yeah. You. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I was driving, so it's not like something was going to leap out at me, but, um, yeah. Or whatever. Like, cause there, you always hear about some people where electronics always fail around them. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Who knows? Like, it's just something in your, yeah. <laughs> in your I, system. I think or... I mentioned it before. My dad could never wear a watch. Right. That's so, right. And yeah, I mean, even the mechanical wind up ones, he couldn't wear them. They would just quit on him. So then, you know, when the battery ones came out, he thought, oh, that would be fine. No, they just, the batteries kept going real quick. Really? Weird. Yeah. Something yeah, to I that. I wonder why that is. Was he in tune? His mother, my grandmother, that was really in tune. I mean, she used to read tea, tea leaves and, uh, you know, she was very psychic. And um, But my dad never talked about it all that much. Is this the grandma that... The, the UFO landed in the backyard. Yeah. She closed the drapes and said, let's yeah. just leave them be. And yeah. Just yeah. ignore them and they'll go away. Yeah, she's not, they're not here to hurt you. That's mm. what she said. But yeah, she was, she was very psychic and, and I know he grew up around that, but he never really talked about it too much. He did have some very vivid dreams, uh, that he shared with me, uh, on occasion. So, you know, I think he did have it. He just, he wasn't really open to it though. And mm-hmm. then on the other side of that, my mother, who really loved this stuff, you know, read every book about any psychics or uh, was she loved the ghost things as well. Um, you know, and she really wanted her dream was to be a healer. She wanted to heal people. Right. She never got that chance. But uh, but yeah, she was. So because she read so many books on it and she was very into when she'd get a negative feeling around people she knew to avoid them it, it does and i think it it does run in the family now did it go beyond your dad i wish i i wish i knew on that side a little bit more um a lot of that family history is lost um just because everybody's got skeletons in the closet people don't get along you know you know you don't hear the stories i mean my 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 grandpa who was the one who was messing with us after he passed away he um I mean, he was orphaned from about the age of 14, I want to say. His parents got divorced, the dad disappeared, and his mom um, actually died in a horrible accident. You know how they, I don't know, do they deliver milk in Canada still? I know there are some places in the States that do, so I'm not trying to... No, they, you know, they haven't done that since, no. the, like, the 70s. Yeah. Okay, so they also used to deliver fish, and my great-grandma um, was sitting, and it, it was this sort of big slot door like you will for the for the mailman you'll have and um you sat on what's basically like a bicycle seat is the best way I can describe it and she was working you know two jobs to raise my grandpa and his brother and she fell asleep at the wheel and ran herself over and died so they were orphaned pretty young um they're you know teenagers so I don't really know a whole lot beyond that and my grandpa died when I was four so I, I don't know much about that but as far as my grandma, my grandma side who sent the cardinal and, you know, was giving me feelings in the fall. Um, that's the cattle ranching side of the family. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's something going on with where if what you do is very nature oriented, I think you're a little bit more tuned in just by virtue of being around, you know, those energies. 
So I, I, um, I, I don't know a ton. I'll have to talk to some cousins and see if they've, you know, heard anything. Um, but I do know that I had an uncle who this weird ability with animals, there was, um, <laughs> this is not, you know, paranormal, but it's a cute story. Um, there was a rat we called the traitor rat when my, my great great uncle was young and it would steal the silverware in the farmhouse. And he eventually figured out that he could leave out certain types of food. And not only would the rat eat the food, it would bring back the silverware that it had stolen. You would trade food for silverware. I don't know if that's being in tune with like nature or it's a little paranormal, I'd say. Um, I want to mention something real quick, Kate. When you were talking, mm-hmm. when you started talking about uh, delivering milk, mm-hmm. we heard a, a male voice come through our speaker here. And so, if anybody's listening and they want to back up to the to that point where you were talking about uh, the milk delivery, see if there's a male voice that comes through because it definitely sent. Because Danny and I looked at each other because we both heard it. Yeah, and it was like hmm, <laughs> that was that was odd. Yeah. Uh, anybody who listens to, is it episode 55? Uh, 55, the one, the one yeah. We, the one we just posted uh, on Facebook, I mentioned at around the 47-minute mark, you can hear what's a male voice, and it sounds like he's coming through on a CB. Right. It almost sounds like a pilot, and he's saying something about 4,000 feet. And it was really weird. And yeah. I listened huh. to it, and Danny, you can he- clearly yeah. hear it. And it almost sounds like the same... It almost sounded like the same voice with you right now. Yeah. But, but we do get EVPs quite a bit. Uh, we haven't got any in Danny's kitchen here, but we do get them at the theater all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was hoping to get, I was hoping you guys were going to be at the theater tonight, oh. <laughs> but that's okay. Well, I'll let it fly. Well, maybe the EVPs uh, coming from. What do you guys use for EVPs? We'll just you use, just use your phone. We're using the Danny's got his big uh, Yeti. Mic here, microphone, and his uh, laptop, and that's that's about it. Yeah. So when we're recording the show, I just okay. You know, we we record it onto the laptop, and uh, and then I edit it up from there. So that's where we're cap- capturing these things most of the time. But other than that, you can use your phone, like yeah, to capture these for uh, sure. Like it has recording modes on it, and uh, you know, and then we also when we go on uh, ghost hunts, we have our digital recorders with us. Now, you said you wanted to... And is that how you open yourself up? No. I was going to say that's one way to open things up. Yeah, that's definitely one way to open yourself up. Because Danny had taken uh, a break from the paranormal for quite a while. And when he came back to ship, um, then he started to open up again. But it was the podcast, I think, that really got things going. Because you started seeing things at work. Yes. In your office. Yeah. First. Even before the theater or anything else. Yeah, but John and I picked up on tons of spirits at, at your your place of work. There is a spirit at my old law firm, actually. Okay. Um, I could I would see it out of the corner of my eye, and I and that's why I hesitate to say that I you know that I've seen anything because it's just that like I would see it walking up and down the hallway every once in a while, just out of the very corner of my eye. Yeah. Um, and I think it knew that I was interested because the minute I went on vacation, um, it started messing with my friend who sat in the cubicle next to me, it would pop out all her little push pins from the bulletin board in the side of her cube. <laughs> I'm like, oh, great. All the cool stuff happens when I'm on vacation. I know that it did that just because I'm the one who would have wanted that to happen, you know? Right. Um, Be careful what you wish for. You won't believe what the ghost did. Yeah. Now, you had a, a, a large set of notes there 
Is there anything? Else, is there anything else you want to touch on or tell us? The one thing from my mom's side, because I think we pretty thoroughly cracked my dad's side, was um, my grandma's sister. When her husband passed away, um, he passed away. You know, after their their mom did my great grandma, and so everybody was out in uh, Buffalo, New York, um, at you know getting whatever groceries they wherever store that they were at. Um, they had sort of been thinking, you know. Hopefully he's with, you know, our mom and all that sort of thing. And um, my aunt, my great aunt, her name um, is Barbara, but we call her Auntie Bobby. And her husband called her Babinski as a nickname. And so all of a sudden over the loudspeaker in the store, they hear, you know, Babinski, like, please come to the front desk or whether it was a phone call or whatever it was. But how often are you going to get the name Babinski? <laughs> and so they were kind of like, all right, he's letting us know that he's okay and that he's with our mom and, and all that. So there aren't really as many stories on that side of the family. But, you know, if, something, if somebody's calling out over a loudspeaker, it is, it is shock, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, a little, it's a little strange. Well, yeah. you and your family have had a lot of neat experiences, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd love to. And that's why I asked about being a little bit more in tune because I'd really like to – you know, delve more into it in my free time. Um, it's been, you know, people pop in and out of various hobbies, and that's only natural. But my entire life, I've always been interested in this stuff. And so, you know, you guys talk about helping people and how you know, you know, what the spirits are in what form they are, whether it's, you know, an old woman, a young kid, whatever. Is that like a vision that you get in your head? I mean, how do you access that? And, and do you just have that from, you know, experience after experience of, researching things in person well sometimes you actually see them like at least for me and john mm-hmm. um sometimes you get a sense of who's there and sometimes i'll i'll actually get a name in my head like if it's a human spirit but if it's a non-human entity you usually end up seeing them or definitely feeling them and you know john was light years beyond me with his abilities and unfortunately he's not with the podcast anymore but uh you know hopefully one day he'll he will return mm-hmm. but uh yeah uh i don't know like i think it's it's more of you're you're open to it already so i think what you can do and i do this when i'm more alone but talk to them you know um i i've said sitting here where uh i'm alone and I'll hear a noise or something falls off the shelf that, you know, normally just, you know, it's like, okay, why did that happen? And then um, just acknowledge it and just say, okay, I, I know you're here. I'm not sure who you are, you know? Um, and that's a, a good way too, if you had a recorder or something like that, or, you know, just saying, you know, and tell them what you're doing. Tell them that, you know, I'm going to turn this uh, phone on to record mode and I will be able to hear you in that. If you just talk to them, because most of the time it's not going to be evil, right? So, but sometimes. Well, I mean, it's also your house, you know. Right. It's like I try not to. I don't want to regret opening that up, and then all of a sudden I can't sleep because things are everywhere. Well, you know? one of the things I was going to say to you, and I'm saying this to everybody, mm-hmm. is you know everybody talks about using a Ouija board, and I mean. That's, I mean, the stigma around them has come from Hollywood, like from these awful horror movies, right? But even you're using a pendulum or dowsing rods or your phone as a recorder or a spirit box, it's the same thing as using a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. And be careful what 
you ask for because you might get it mm -hmm. and be very specific about who you want to speak to. Right. Close it off by saying goodbye. You know, you're, you know, if you're not here for the greater good, yeah. you know, you're, then you're not welcome to stay, all that sort of thing. But sometimes they don't listen and they'll stick around anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you'll be calling me right. and saying, hey, uh, you know, yeah. I've got something nasty in my apartment or my home and, uh, I think the trick is, is if you open the door, you have to close it, right? So you got to say goodbye to them. Yes. It's just like the Ouija board. You got to say hello, you know, it gets warmed up. It does its thing. Mm -hmm. Then you got to close it off. You got to say goodbye. You can't just put it away. Yeah. Well, I've had a smudge stick for forever, but I haven't wanted to use it just in case there's something here and I'm accidentally trapping it and I'm not cleansing properly first. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's just the idea of doing it at home scares me. So I might go into that one room at the warehouse and see if I can, you know, get a recorder on my phone and see if, if something pops up. But, um, yeah, just, just sit you know, there, sit in there quietly, introduce yourself, take, take, uh, the other guy with you and, and ask questions. Yeah. And if you don't like what you hear, then you can sage it and, uh, smudge it and yep. see, see if it, the atmosphere in there changes. So. Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty prime spot because there's, well, A, there's electrical wires going all the way down the road there. And also, it used to be a spring water plant and a Coca-Cola bottling plant, actually. Well, nice. So, I'm not sure if it accesses a spring that's under the building, but it's definitely got vibes where there's something there's something going on there. There's just yeah. too much water and electricity yeah, for lot, there not to be. A lot of energy for it to feed off of, right? Right. And there's, I mean, there are people in and out forever. I mean, you can go in back in the woods and the guys would get off on their break, you know, that's when it was the Coca-Cola plant, they would chug a Coke and throw the glass bottle right in the woods. Oh, nice. So you can dig down and you find all these bottles and it's just like, it's just, there's movement and energy everywhere. So I'd, you know, I'd very much like to see what pops up there, but especially, I mean, the reason I asked about how you guys tune in and what you use to record is because we mentioned before we started recording tonight, you know, the show Hellier and mm -hmm. the Estes Method, and I find that absolutely fascinating. Um, Is that where he covers his ears and his eyes? Well, what, yeah, what they what they describe is what they do is they bought these sort of big, hefty, like, drummer's headphones mm -hmm. where you can't hear anything, and you're, and you're just supposed to be able to pump in, you know, whatever guitar music and then drum along with it, but not hear yourself. Yep. So it's super noise-canceling, and they basically just plug the spirit box into that and then blindfold them and make sure they're, you know, in a comfy chair or whatever it is. So then you, you as the person who's using the access method cannot hear what the other people around you are asking the spirit. That's right. And then, and then you're supposed to say <clears throat> sort of whatever your first impression is of what you hear. Um, should you hear anything? And, it, and then it what validates, ends up happening in the it, show is like a conversation. Yeah. And it, and it validates it even more because he's, he can't hear you, can't see you, but he's yeah. responding to your questions. So. Exactly. And so that's why I was wondering if you guys had a particular method that you find, you know, useful. But mm -hmm. hey, I mean, if it's the, if it's the power that you're giving the item, you know, whatever that might be, then I guess in a certain sense, maybe it doesn't really matter what recording device you use. But what are the limits of what the spirit can really access? Well, we usually just put digital recorders out and talk directly to the spirits. And if if uh, if we're not talking directly to them, we'll have a, uh, a digital recorder with every camera that we have set up. Sometimes we'll break out the spirit box, that, that thing that makes that awful 
yeah. you know, white noise. Yeah. And uh, just it, go from there. I mean, it can be painful listening to it afterwards and not hearing anything. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes you capture something. It's like, what was that? Yeah. Six hours of listening to nothing. Yeah. And then you get a little voice at the end and, yeah. Like, oh, you know. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes we get full conversations. Yeah. So it depends on the location we're at. Like that, that the farmhouse out in, out mm -hmm. in, uh, near Orangeville. Yeah. I mean, we've had, you can hear men and women having full on conversations and it's wild. Yeah. And, you know, and then sometimes you'll go to the, like a place where you are convinced it's going to be haunted yep. to the roof and you don't get anything. Right. So, you know, and their spirits are people. If they don't want to talk, they don't want to talk. Yeah. And you can't force them to, right? So Sometimes it messes with you, too. I mean, I'll read my tarot cards and, you know, if if I know darn well what I'm supposed to think of the situation, but I'm being stubborn, it'll throw me a bum hand and say, no, you know, mm -hmm. screw you. You know exactly what you're supposed to think. I'm not <laughs> going to help you out. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. So... It's just a case-by-case -case basis. If you expect something, maybe they're like, no, not right now. They expect it. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, I think it's better when you least expect it, too. Yeah, right? exactly. Who knows? You might have something happen That's tonight. Fun. Yeah, you've opened yourself up Please to yeah, on the no. pod. Keep a light on. You're doomed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, after what happened a couple of days ago, so as I said, I've been watching Hellier, and I don't want to issue any spoilers for anybody. So spoiler alert, you yeah. know, skip ahead a couple minutes. But um, there is a point where they're in a cave and some entity, whether it be a spirit or something that can communicate with them telepathically, is sort of sending Dana like bing, 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 bing in her head is what she kept hearing. And so everybody's answer, I go like bing, 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 you know, what does it mean? And everyone's all excited. Well, I had them saying bing, bing, bing in my head all day on Tuesday. <laughs> and I went home. And I was like, you know what? I've got to watch something like alien or weird tonight. <laughs> and so, and this is, I know this is like a sin for being as interested in this stuff as I am, but I had never seen the Mothman prophecies. So I used the voice, you know, thing on my remote controller for my TV. And it said, if you download the cracked app onto the television, directly on the television, it'll have it on there. So I was like, okay, downloaded the app. This is important because this just shows that I've never used this app before. Um, it was never downloaded on my television at all. So I watched the Mothman prophecies and I'm like, all right, well, what should I do next? So I back out of the app. I haven't seen close encounters in probably 15 years, at least 15 years. So I used the voice recorder again and I said, you know, close encounters of the third kind. And it said, again, I'm go on to the cracked app. So I went back to the app and I clicked on the film and it said, do you want to resume where you last left off? And I'm like, okay, uh, only used the app once before, didn't even know this movie was on here, certainly never watched it on here. So I'm like, maybe it's a glitch, whatever. So I click resume, and it pops up a little after 40 minutes in, right when the sort of French choir conductor guy is having everybody in the auditorium sing the tone. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I've had like bing, bing, bing in my head all yeah. day, and that's what it kind of sounds like, that it has to do with these, you know, magic tones to help communicate with yep. whatever entity. I have a confession so to I make. Sat there and I'm like, I've never watched that movie. Haven't you? <laughs> no. Oh, really? I've never yeah. watched okay. it. I've, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never sat through it. Yeah. So Danny's shaking, he's nodding his head. He's, yeah, I've he's, seen it. He's seen it. Well, so. you know the point at the end where they communicate? Yeah. Yep. You know, where they communicate with the with the big UFO. I'm assuming you've seen like yep. that. Yeah, and it goes boom, boom, boom. It's like right? five tones. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So basically, they were having a, a group of people in an auditorium sing those tones. I guess in preparation for whatever. And I, like I said, I hadn't seen the movie in about 15 years. So I was just a kid when I watched it prior. And I'm like, all right, so this is the point that it pops up to is like these magic tones to help communicate. This is a little bit weird. And not, you know, not only it's not a point in the film where it's an electronic thing or they're playing it on a piano. It's, I was thinking about people physically using their vocal cords to say bing, bing, bing. And now the point of the film is where people are physically using their vocal cords to sing the tones to communicate with the aliens. Mm. I'm like, it's just a little bit too much of a synchronicity for me. Yeah. Like, I just feel like, I, I feel like it's a little bit too strange that I'd had the bing, bing, bing in my head yeah. all day. Yep. And I go home and I watch this movie for the first time on that app. See, now you're going to have to, it's just too now you're going to get abducted. <laughs> God, I hope not. But I will say, since you've never seen it, it's yeah. very good. All right. But there's, I'm sitting there and I'm like, Richard Dreyfus goes off with the aliens. He's married with three kids and he just doesn't care. And he just leaves. Are you kidding? Well, I don't blame the guy. <laughs> he well, was alienating his family. He was alienating his family. His family. <laughs> so. Well, they never would have known. They yeah. never would have known where he went. All that's right. Yeah. But anyway, yes, that's like the big synchronicity that I've, that I had recently was yeah. that one. And now I want to rewatch all of Hellier. Well, you know, I've been trying to get uh, Dana and her husband from Planet Weird on, on the on the show. And uh, mm -hmm. they, they have gotten back to me. But, well, I guess they've been busy with the show and everything else. But uh, sure. we'll get them on eventually. Because she's... Uh, yeah, I'd she, love to hear it. Yeah, and she's uh, Canadian. She's, she's yep. actually from uh, Kitchener. Yeah. Kitchener, Waterloo. Yeah. Which isn't far from here. So, uh mm -hmm. Hopefully. Kate, it's been uh, it's been wonderful having you on. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've got a friend I'm trying to convince to tell her stories because she's the one who's had the full body, you know, apparitions and the dream visitations and things like that. She gave me permission to tell her stories, but you know, I've told enough stories already, so I'm going to see if if she'd be willing to hop on and, and talk to you guys about that. Well, but, maybe, um, maybe thank you you'll, so much for having me. Maybe you'll have to co-pilot with her and, you know, give her a little bit of, uh, yep. you know, courage to come on, but, uh, work at it, work on her. Cause we love, we love to hear. Yeah. You know, this, is, this is my first, this is my first one. So I've, nice. I've never reached out to anybody that I've really listened to before, um, on, on any subject, but I did email Greg and Dana about that synchronicity, um, today, because I just thought, you know what, they're collecting, all these stories, and I did hear them on something else saying that, you know, if people are listening and watching and something happens, you know, let us know because it's just adding to their research. So, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, like I said, you know, if anybody else is in the Chicagoland area and is interested or is a member of some group, uh, please, you know, reach out somehow. I don't know. You guys could give an email. Well, you know what? Me or something if, like that. If, but I'd, I'd love to. If they want to get a hold of us. And then we can uh, forward it on to you. Yeah, that would be fantastic. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been fun. All right. Thanks for being on. That was awesome. Goodbye. Bye. Phantom Faction Podcast, a podcast to educate, entertain, assist, and guide anyone involved or interested in the paranormal. To reach out to Phantom Faction, see our Facebook page or email us directly at phantomfaction at outlook.com.